gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome to the anime podcast of some sort, abbreviated like A to the P to the O double S. The cool kids call it the APOS podcast. I'm David Majors. I'm also known as DJM because initializing things is kind of my thing. My co-host is much more creative with, with naming and nomenclature, Jack D. Allister. What's up, Jack? We're doing APOS again. We are doing APOS again. New year, noob APOS. No, same great flavor, same great taste, but a different package, so it's slightly cooler to drink in front of your friends. Is that the new APOS, they'll ask? And you'll go, yes, but it's diet because I'm, because I'm turning th- this year. Because I'm turning 35 this year, and damn it, I need to do something with myself. My metabolism is slowing down. <laughs> It'll happen to you. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, let's not focus on that. I think we should get in on the nerdy stuff. Yes, let's not focus on my slow creep towards death. Let's talk about something else that is also getting closer and closer to celebrating 40 years in existence. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Mobile Suit Gundam, everybody. Coming for everybody, man. The... The venerable Mobile Suit Gundam franchise is entering its 40th anniversary celebration and with a little bit of breaking news uh, on a few episodes of APOS back, uh, I was lamenting along with a few friends of mine uh, on the interwebs and in the IRL that with all of the theatrical releases of anime films in recent years, uh, the brand new Mobile Suit Gundam NT had yet to get word on a theatrical release on this side of the world in the United States. Until now. And lo and behold, Mobile Suit Gundam NT, which is short for narrative, by the way, will have a release on February 19th. Whoopity, 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 whoop, Jackson. I get to see my Gundams on a big theatrical screen. The, the the hype is real, Jack. The that is, is exciting. Real. No, that, that is actually very exciting. And I will say briefly, just to kind of tease you for the future, is that I've heard more than a few people, including some of my con friends that I were smoozing with, say state interest in seeing this release. And some of them being like, you know, I've always wanted to get into Gundam. So... This might be the gateway for more people to appreciate Gundam Sensei. It it might be. And, you know, the last time that I really remember Gundam getting a theatrical release this big, uh, maybe Gundam Seed, but really it was the sequel to what I always believe is the preeminent gateway Gundam, Gundam Double O, having its theatrical release called The Awakening of the Trailblazer, which, uh, for its story quibbles one might have, was a beautiful marvel in animation in terms of action and mecha design and combat. And Gundam NT, everything I've seen, looks absolutely beautiful. It is very much in line with Gundam Unicorn. Uh, It is a direct sequel to Gundam Unicorn, which was a beautifully done OVA. And also, you say that it's a gateway, possibly. It's also a part of the Universal Century. So if the kids 
are interested in this, they're going to get their first dip into the water of the giant mech mega timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. The main, main, main Gundam timeline that goes all the way back to the original in 1979. So, hey, who knows? Maybe we'll finally get that remake of Mobile Suit Gundam, along with Hathaway's Flash coming in 2020. So, yes, as it stands, there is still life for Mobile Suit Gundam. Kind of like how there's still life for Star Trek, too. All of these franchises that I've loved and cherished and are very near and dear to my heart are getting this resurgence, and and I'm very happy about that, Jack. This is making me happy to hear as well, and maybe I can sit very patiently, very quietly, and hope for possibly a resurgence in G Gundam. Because that that was my gateway. Although I am inclined to believe, based on based on numbers alone, sheer numbers, then yet you are correct in saying that Double O is the gateway. My gateway was G Gundam because that is the one that is the place for me to understand and is also possibly the most bonkers. So, I mean, I'm I'm very happy for you, David, and I'm very excited to see this be a massive success and to also be, oh, what's the word? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, quality, good. It sounds like it will be. So I'm looking forward to that for you. Yeah, more than anything else, it's important that it doesn't suck. That's important. Please don't suck. If if no one likes it, please let it not suck. If it sucks, I'll I'll be very sad. And Jack, you brought up an excellent point that yes, I agree. I think we're about due for maybe an HD remaster of G Gundam. I wouldn't hate it's it. Damn time. I wouldn't it, mind it seeing time. the Shuffle Alliance again. I wouldn't mind hearing Master Asia answer me, Domon. And I wouldn't mind seeing <laughs> the old lady, Dr. Rain Mikamura, again. I, I wouldn't mind seeing any of those. Not at all. Not in the least. So, Sunrise, Bandai, if you're out there, think about it. Do something, you know, that, that fans might enjoy. Uh, a remake to Mobile Fighter G Gundam. But, Jack, on the topic of anime that is long-running, that seems to be breaking new ground... I- Let's talk a little bit about Pokemon. The Pokemon anime uh, got Did a little bit Did he finally of... catch them all? No, but there's something Damn. that... There's something <laughs> I that... we were over. That, yeah, and apparently last season he got second place in the Pokemon League, so he's almost getting there. He's oh man, Ash is, is so close. He's so he, close. My boy, bring that bacon home, make your mom he, happy he, so she can retire. Okay, but what really happened is... When I saw this story, my reaction was right on par when I saw the season where Ash got second in the Pokemon League a couple of years ago and nearly, nearly won. Because it looks as though Brock, the long-standing companion and Pokemon breeder that, that has been a part of the Pokemon anime for... Well, now more than 20 years. Creative uh, user of cookware for drying pur- purposes in the rain. Sure. You know, he's really good with inclement weather, can I just say? And also wordplay. Now, one thing that Brock has not been so good with over the years is um, his interest in the ladies. 
as it were. Uh, Brock is what the kids call thirsty. He's very uh, yes. thirsty. <laughs> he, he enjoys the company of the ladies, even though they, they don't enjoy him very much until now. When in the it's Pokemon Analy recently, Brock has run into another Pokemon trainer, uh, I believe also a gym leader named Olivia. I believe I know this woman. I actually know a little bit about this. Who seemed a bit more receptive to Brock's advances. And the internet lost its you-know-what over the fact that, oh my goodness, Brock might finally have a lady! Indeed. And I believe she also trains the same type of Pokemon as him. Which, you know, you get that synergy going. All that kind of stuff. Hey, I've got some rocks. You've got some rocks. Why don't we rock together? I'm so proud of this boy. He's... Now, Jack. <sighs> yes. I, I have to say, I'm really glad you brought up G Gundam with this. Because you saw the story from ANN in the show notes. Because in this particular episode, uh, Pokemon did a incredible parody of G Gundam's finality. It's it's epic conclusion where Team Rocket and Meowth uh, created something resembling the Dark Gundam and Brock and Olivia defeated them with something very closely resembling the final love-powered attack yes. between Gomon Ta- Domon Kashu and Rain Mikimura, the love love Sekiha Ten Kyoken. Did you see this, Jack? I, I I do see this, and it is fantastic. And can I just say, uh, that was a complete coincidence. I had seen this, and still, somehow, things just magically come together like that. So I am also happy that I mentioned G Gundam. What are the odds? David, can I just say, it's about time for Brock. It really is. Can it, it's? I don't think we're giving this as much attention he's how long has it been it's been 20 years 20 years 20 years yeah 20 years without a woman david 20 years even even i haven't gone that long (laughs) exactly this man understands no not november more than any of us could possibly understand i and and to finish it off with this fantastic trivia, I don't know. Even with this kind of crummy new art style that Pokemon has had, still not sorry, not even mad. I mean, I am mad, but this is good. And it's just about time. It it should have been sooner, honestly. I really feel like it is. Brock's Brock kind of has been like the butt of the joke for the most part, out of the trio especially, if it isn't Ash just getting beat up by the narrative. I'm happy for him. I'm I, happy I really, with this. There are some things that I have to say about this, and, and the Pokemon anime in particular. And I feel like this, these are things that are really necessary. And, and these are things that I think everyone can celebrate. Uh, whether they're younger viewers who are seeing Pokemon for the first time with fresh eyes, uh, who are only seeing Brock uh, for the first time having trouble with the ladies uh, and finally finding someone that might reciprocate, uh, finding that seeing that Ash 
can win the big one eventually, maybe someday. I feel like this is a good thing for Pokemon. Now, the story goes that the company, the Game Freak, the Pokemon company, whomever is in charge, the powers that be for Pokemon, they don't like these things with the anime because the narrative goes that if Ash wins the Pokemon League, he'll have no reason to keep going if he wins because he'll be a Pokemon master. And they made that vague. Did y'all so play the games? To keep going and going and going and going and going. It, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've never picked up an actual Pokemon game, but I'm pretty sure that even after you finish the goal, it's still you've got things to do. You have to go and, and you know, give your ma that that check so she can retire as, again. As and someone <laughs> who has played the Pokemon games. Yes. After you beat the Elite Four and after you beat your rival. Yes, there are th things to do after the game. And there are new games that come out go. each and every time. You can go to a different region. So, the narrative that the Pokemon anime can't ever have Ash winning the big one is kind of stupid. And it's really made me rethink just how the anime industry works. Uh, especially long-running anime that just never really ends. And, and just kind of <coughs> capitalism. Kind of capitalism in general. Because th th this is yeah. th this is how uh, companies keep making money and and how companies stay alive and just never never end because an anime never ends because Ash could never win and Brock got a lady that might kind of like him back. Ash can win a Pokemon League and yeah. if a if Ash does win a Pokemon League, do you really think people will stop watching? Do you really? Honestly, here's there. There's something that's been going on in in the back of my mind for all long running anime, and that's nothing fucking changes. People rarely die because all these shonen characters are immune to death because plot. Nothing really changes. People might have superficial makeovers, but nothing fucking changes in the narrative. Character dynamics don't shift. No one's falling in love. No one's swearing allegiances or mortal enemies or nothing. And that's what's really interesting. So it's good to see a new relationship with a new character like this. And yes, if Ash won, that also would bring up some new kinds of things, some new kinds of ideas. Maybe people are going to look out for him and try and duel him specifically because he's the biggest champion now. Come on. Th th there's so many possibilities and, you know, for as much crap as I give Akira Toriyama, and I give him a lot of crap, his characters, for the most part, have grown, they have families, they evolve, they mature, even though yeah. a, a, lot, a lot of them are still the same in every series. They've grown, they've matured, some have had children, some have had grandchildren, that they're not the same that they were 20 years Shit's ago. Shit's happened. Shit has happened. Mobile Suit Gundam, the, the Universal Century timeline, the two main characters, Amuro Ray and Shar Aznable, they fucking died 30 years ago. The, the two primary characters of Mobile Suit Gundam died. But they and still David. managed to. 
they progressed the story. They progressed the timeline of Zeon and the Federation and Earth and the space colonies. And it's still going on without them. And David, this isn't an anime, but I feel like it is worth mentioning for the sake of continuity. This is the year that Bruce Wayne retires from being Batman and gives it over to my boy Terry. And why haven't we gotten some kind of content for Batman Beyond since that series ended? I I, need, I want Warner Brothers to seriously blow it out of the park with their animation department. I want Lego. I want the new Lego movie to a not suck and b just absolutely crush it at the box office. I want them to get some goddamn revenue for their DC properties because that shit is good. If you haven't watched those movies on DVD or anything, it's so worth it. And if one's at a Fathom event, please goddamn do it. I'm sorry for hijacking the anime podcast with this, but it's important, damn it. Jack, how many times have you seen me on Twitter on other various podcasts say, we are long, 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 long overdue for Batman Beyond to be in a movie or something or somewhere. We're long overdue for Terry McGinnis to show up again. We're long overdue. It is absolutely true. I am so sick of Damian Wayne. I'm not sorry. Oh, Damian Wayne oh. is bad. Who he likes is Damian Draco Wayne? Malfoy. He is a Draco Malfoy recolor for your fan fiction self-fulfillment prophecy. I won't fucking have it. Get him out of who here. Give me Terry Damian any goddamn Wayne. day. The same people who pretend Jason Todd when all they really like is uh, the killing joke. Oh, no, not the killing joke. Um... Damn, I can't think of the episode now, but you all know what I mean. Yeah. Y'all just like that scene where Joker got him. Idiots. Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh. But anyhow, <laughs> there's strong yeah. opinions about DC here today. Yes. But Damian Wayne is overrated, and Terry should have been here a million times over before. And Real. Brock's needed a girlfriend, and Ash has needed a win, and Misty really 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 needs to just get herself a bike again like she's had to have earned enough by this point to replace that poor bike right or like ash can ash owes her a bike ash you play second i'm sure there was some prize money man look ash has been making top eights for years now he's got to have something in the bank there is some fight money involved and i'm not seeing misty in any mink if you make top eight, you're pretty much guaranteed some kind of money. And with Ash making like top four, top two, you know, he's, he's unless well, again, Ash is kind of an idiot, so good goodness knows what he's spending his money on. But still, he's, he's like Mr. Peanut Butter, and he's investing all of his money on uh, Brock's drying pan startup. They just have a shit ton of drying pans in their house, and they're like, "What do we have all this cookware for? We were gonna invest he- in something, and I forget." He thought the generals were due, Jack. That's what happened. Damn. Well, there you go, everybody. We've solved Pokemon's mysteries, which means the narrative can continue onward. Now that we've acknowledged the problems, they can just keep moving forward. Speaking of screaming at Nintendo for things that they're doing, Jack, uh, there was an interview recently with uh, president of Nintendo, Shintaro Furukawa, who has mentioned... No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> he seems to be taking Nintendo in, in a direction that 
might catch some people's attention. And I saw this and one in particular saying that there might be a future shift away from hardware and consoles. Now, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's terrifying. Now, it's it's really something. The idea that Nintendo might might finally, after all of these years, go so far as to pull a Sega and start licensing their properties out? My goodness. Goodness gracious. It, there's, there's a number of things that go on in my head for this. Uh, the first being, they were the people who started game hardware for like home consoles and everything being proprietary you had to buy through them it, it absurd like it, they were the kleenex at one point for video games and honestly in some in some households they still kind of are like you could still hear people like oh you're nintendo and it's like an xbox in someone's room or something like it's insane to think of this and also the first thing that comes to my mind when i see this is their mobile games, which, to my knowledge, there's two of them, maybe three. I'm not sure if Mario Run is an official one or not, but there's the Animal Crossing one, and then there's Pokemon Go. And I worry, I deeply worry that's, like, the main thing. Because I understand that the, that the gaming console, you know, licensing to other consoles is most likely going to be a possibility, but the... The mobile gaming is what's scaring me because they've seen intense returns for that, especially every goddamn time that they add. You know what it's like, David? I'm going to bring you back to over 10 years ago. I'm going to bring you back a decade, over a decade, to my favorite Pixar movie, Wally. -E. And everybody on the Axiom ship is in their little jumpsuits and they're all in red. And then suddenly a voice, the voice of Sigourney Weaver goes, Everyone, Try blue. It's the new red. And everyone clicks the button and everything turns into blue across miles and miles of this gigantic spaceship. Everyone's just turning to click into blue. And that's what it's like every Pokemon Go update. I got off track. The point being, I'm worried that that's the direction that they will mostly go because of the success of those applications. But I'm not sure. What do you think, David? What were your thoughts on this? I find the idea of Nintendo moving away from hardware very hard to believe because not only is Nintendo synonymous with video games, uh, as you said, playing Nintendo, but for the longest time, Nintendo has gone out of their way to make their hardware so unique to them. There is no mistaking a piece of Nintendo hardware with another piece of hardware. Uh, even the a controller. Game controllers over the last 20 years have a certain look and feel to them. But then Nintendo completely breaks that and goes in their own direction. So exactly. I can't, I can't imagine Nintendo deviating from this. Uh, it, it's kind of in the same way uh, people for years in the technology world have been saying, well, Microsoft's going to go away from hardware. They, they, they're they not going to do hardware anymore. Uh, Microsoft 
is selling the Microsoft Surface just fine. The Xbox is still doing just fine. And yes, of course, Windows and Microsoft Office are eternal. But they still have hardware that sells. So why would they move away from hardware when everybody knows what Nintendo builds is unique in this market? It is a unique skill and trait that they have that no one else even tries to replicate. So why would they deviate from it? Yeah, they really are the most unique, even if in in many cases some people have complaints that are at both times understandable and at other times, you know, frivolous. Like, why why stray from that? And I wonder if this is purely speculation. This is this is me placing my tinfoil hat on. But I wonder if this is the kind of thing that might have been in negotiation when uh, there were possible talks about Sony Animation taking the the Mario project. Now that it's been moved to illusion, I wonder if maybe there were other dealings involved, possibly with gaming properties. I don't know. I have absolutely no clue. Again, that's my tinfoil hat theory, but. Hmm. I honestly can't imagine a Nintendo game on other consoles. I don't think that they'll follow through on this. And hearing your thoughts on it, David, um, honestly, it has reinforced that. But I worry about the mobile market. I am always going to worry about the mobile market. I, I don't. What if that ends so. up being the main? I'm worried, it. man. I don't see it. Because, again, it goes back to the fact that Nintendo makes unique hardware. Uh, video game, like portable video games, were in, basically invented and designed by Nintendo itself. It's the true. Nintendo Switch was made to be portable and at home. There will always be a place for portable Nintendo consoles in the world. Always, always, always. Shout out because to my black and green Game Boy over there. I see Amen. you in the corner. Amen. The The Game Boy that I had is probably older than most of you listening to this podcast. <laughs> you got uh, Tetris. I, I don't see Nintendo ever leaving the portable market because that is as much their calling card as Mario. I think the Game Boy and a, Ninten and a Nintendo video game device that you hold in your hands will always have a market that is not a mobile phone. I, I, I believe there will always be a market for mobile video games, uh, portable video games, uh, and that will not be on the phone. I, I believe that will always be there. You know, and, I, I think you have a And I don't see Nintendo point. panicking. I don't see Nintendo panicking in that regard. Maybe they might dip their toes a little bit more, but no, th there will always be in my opinion, I believe, there will always be a Nintendo portable console. However, Jack, yes, the Nintendo Wii does not appear to be forever. It doesn't. No. At the end of this month, uh, January 30th, 2019, year of our base god, we are going to see the Wii Shop close down completely so that all of your virtual console games any WiiWare that you might have purchased, any kinds of channels such as the YouTube or Weather Channel, etc., etc., anything that you can acquire from the internet on the Wii Shop, gone. 
kaput. Now, Jack, a uh, couple of questions. Uh, one, yes. are these things available on the Wii U or the Switch? To my knowledge, no. Uh, the Wii U was upsetting because it didn't have very good backwards compatibility. You could use discs, you could use, uh, you know, for the Wii games, you could use Wii controllers, but to my knowledge, there were no WiiWare Wii games that you could transfer from your old Wii console to the Wii U, and I don't believe that they have the same offerings up from the Wii shop onto the Wii U shop. So, uh... You know, and also, 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 let's compound that onto the fact that they have not produced Wii U consoles for, I want to say it's been three years now. Three? Probably three. And, and, we're also seeing a drop in everybody's favorite, but not really very sad excuse for ROMs. Uh, The SNES and SNES Classic are both also going out of production soon. So, Nintendo, it, turn on your location. I just want to talk. Like it's it's fine. It's fine. It, we're fine. It it's gonna be fine. I I just want to talk. It's you know, it's it's been it's been a while, and I know that you're trying. Just you know, you're concerned about your bottom line. You're concerned about making a profit, but um, which is strange because by all accounts, the Switch is selling incredibly well. Yeah, but. <laughs> They could sell. They would be not just selling incredible units of the game of, of uh, the Switch and all of its you know games that are exclusive to the console, and also the massive amounts of indie games that they're starting to influx in there. But uh, Nintendo, you would just be just sweating money, just coming out of every orifice in in gratuitous amounts if there were if there was any. Kind of backlog. Anything on the Switch whatsoever. Holy shit. Can you imagine, now, David? I know we've had this conversation multiple times, but what are you doing, have. Nintendo? We what have. are you doing? And I can tell you what they're doing. They're talking to Sony. That's what they're doing. Because I'm going to provide a little bit of the devil's advocate here. Because one, uh, I looked it up while we were doing the, the show prep, and... The Wii came out in 2006, so now it would be 13 years old, which for any video game console is about 10,000 years. Yeah, that's that's old hardware, uh, by all accounts. Also, secondly, this is something that Sony uh, caught a lot of flack for. Uh, with the early days of the PlayStation 4, and, and even into some of the time of the PlayStation 3, when backward compatibility was such a huge, huge thing for for older games. Uh, and it this sounds similar. Uh, a lot of fans are saying to Nintendo the same things they said to Sony, that if, if you made these things available... Uh, whether it was either on your previous consoles that have internet connectivity and are downloadable, or if you make them available at a reasonable price on your modern consoles, people will buy them and you will make plenty of money for them. But it seems like 
Nintendo is more hesitant on this than Sony. Uh, the NES Classic seems to have tapered off. The The Super Nintendo Classic has seemed to taper off. Uh, whereas Sony, in recent years, seems to be doing a little bit more to make things that were part of the PS3 and the PS2 era even uh, more available. Uh, say what you want about the PlayStation Classic. They tried, kind of. I guess they, they, they tried, technically, uh, to make things from, from even the PS1 era available. Uh, they tried, kind of. But it seems like Nintendo... Uh, I feel like Nintendo has this streak of obstinance that the other big video game companies do not have. Uh, Sony, maybe a little bit. Microsoft, I think... Sometimes I just don't think they have the technological capabilities to uh, go backwards sometimes. <laughs> but Nintendo, I think you might be right on that. Just uh, given just, the links that DOSBox has to go through, you know what I mean? Like for a computer, a desktop computer to run old stuff? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jack, I do doubt that. Yes. Jack, you're getting a little bit crunchy, but we're going to try and talk through it because I was going to say a little bit more. Because is it just me, Jack? Uh, and hopefully the, the internet clears up for this. I don't know, maybe Nintendo's listening to us now. But is it just me, or does Nintendo have a tendency to get a little bit snappy with their consumers? They tend to, they tend to bring the hammer down and, and kind of call the lawyers uh, a bit quicker than other game companies, don't they? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. They're really quick to put the kibosh on these recently, and very, like, they're very thorough and very, uh, I mean, what was the cost of that last lawsuit? It was per game, they were charging per game, and it was an insane amount for, for how much they wanted. Like, it's, I, Nintendo is up to something. I'm kind of like, you know, now that you've brought this up, David, and, and my, my tinfoil hat theory from earlier, like, there might be something here. And they tend to get a you little know, snappy with the ruler on the wrist. Like, they'll, they'll hit you with the, the yardstick on the wrist pretty quick. And you know what? I think it might behoove a gaming company. I won't say Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft or anyone is thinking of doing this, but it might be really, really nice if, you know, all of these games were kind of laid out in a verb-like service, you know, where you could buy console or buy, you know, gear, that kind of thing. That would be really, really nice to get that kind of collaboration. You could get that up on the internet. You could possibly even uh, enlist the help of the people who started those ROM sites, but you can... Uh, you can, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. You can have them work for you instead. And I know that sounds insane, but they obviously know what they're doing. It's kind of like a son, like Nania situation, I would believe. Like, if we can get this kind of a situation going, and get that into a service somehow, and, you know, get the litigation, everything all nice and neat, I think that could really really change things for the better, especially with all this ROM, this ROM hack nonsense. Like, we could really, really fix this super easily, and I know, I know, you know, people will pay for it. All right, we're gonna...
We're back. Uh, like I said, I think Nintendo uh, might might have might have gotten us uh, decided to crack the hammer down on the old APOS. Everybody, Mamma Mia! I, I think Reggie Fiza May might have heard the APOS as we were recording, which I'm not sure how. But hey, it's a big Nintendo. fan. It's yeah. fine. Like, yeah. Yeah, we love fine, you. I guess. Well, Jack yeah, we loves love you. you. Jack loves you. I mean, you. I. I kind of love you. I, I don't really like what you did stylistically to Bowser's Inside Story for the remake, so I don't think I'm going to buy it. But, you know, kudos. That's a good game. I uh, I, I appreciate that you, you didn't let Sonic die. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank, thank you for that. Oh, man. Remind me, remind me, David, uh, off the record to uh, show you something after we're done here in regards to Sonic couple things but yeah yeah well, yes indeed we love we love you a yes, little bit yes kind of jack jack kind of loves you guys uh but i i have some some anime to talk about some more anime on the anime podcast of some sort this has been a some kind pretty pretty chock full of anime this episode and jack believe it or not despite my reputation and despite what my twitter account looks like I actually do enjoy watching anime. I do. I even enjoy watching anime that is currently airing this season. I, I even did a podcast for it for a little while uh, where Shay, Cody, and I, we would watch anime for every season. It was kind of fun. We enjoyed that. Uh, and I've picked up some anime for this upcoming season uh, in, in winter 2019. And Jack... Believe it or not, I actually was able to scratch and scrounge and pick up four, one, two, three, four, brand new series that caught my eye, caught my interest, because that's the main thing I like to do when I look through the, the my anime list for every season and the anime ch and the anime chart for every season. I look, I like to look for the things that are new, the things that are original, things that are not a continuation from a previous series, or, or at the very least, something that I have not seen before. And I actually I hear managed that. to get four of them. Uh, there have been times four. where I've gotten, yeah, there have been four times where I've original gotten original premises. Four original. There have been times where I've been able to get maybe one or two, and there have been that one time where I had like nine that I was watching. So I, I remember yes. like three is like a really insane season. So this is this is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, first on the docket was uh, I'm not going to try and say the the Japanese name, uh, but it is translated to the price of a smile. Now, uh, originally, this kind of looked like sort of a a cutesy kawaii show, but then lo and behold, it's actually kind of a space opera, and it's got some mechs in in it. So, hot diggity dog, this caught my attention. I can't and, see why. I don't think that's anything that you're about, David. But go ahead. Tell me and, why you like this. And hot diggity <laughs> dog, uh, the first two episodes were up on Crunchyroll. And, you know, I liked it. I, I liked it so much, I even tweeted about this show. Uh, the, the things that I did like. Uh, the music in the first two episodes was really well done. The action sequences had some really good pumping, instrumental 
intense kind of J trans stuff that was really really good. Uh, the the dialogue moments had some orchestral stuff that was really good. It it had dare I say it reminded me of Gundam Seed a little bit in just the overall scope and feel. It felt very much like something out of an alternate universe Gundam series. Man, we're talking about Gundam a lot on this podcast. There's a lot of Gundam. Gundam. I know, right? <laughs> uh, there's also a princess. There is a, a young princess, uh, a, a young lady who, who is a space princess, and she has countries. They're not in conflict or in a brutal, bloody conflict as of yet, but there was some action. There was a little bit of action. And there were some giant robots, and they weren't they weren't terribly animated either. Uh, they, they were they were CGI. Sorry, Jack, they were CGI, but they uh, were. I know, I know. I'm sorry, but they weren't terrible. They weren't terrible. They were not terrible. God damn it! I I know, I know. I'm sorry. I know. It, it's fine. It's fine. It's understandable for for various uh, purposes. It, it's just <laughs> I have feelings. But this show, so far, Egal no Daika, I kind of dug it. I kind of dug it. It had some characters. It had some moments that pulled at your heartstrings. Uh, you saw that there were conflicting sides. Uh, it had all of the skeletons of an alternate universe Gundam story. It, it had that feel. To a fault, actually. To, where to a I would, fault. To where I would almost say it felt a little derivative. It felt interesting. Little, it felt a little too much like a Gundam Seed or a Gundam Double O. To where it almost felt a little unoriginal and a little bit derivative. But I liked it enough to say that I'm going to give this more than my standard four episodes. This, this got me just enough. So, and David... Go ahead. Would you say, would you recommend this for people by telling them to come on down as the next contestant for the price of a smile? No. Ah, I was really looking forward to humming the theme song. So I guess I'll just uh, bump, bum, bum. Wow. Too bad. If if I make it to say five or six episodes, then then I'll say that they can go to the showcase showdown. But right now, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say that they they they're getting close. They they did not go over the actual retail price. They did not go over. So the price of a smile, it's it's, it's okay. It's a little derivative of Gundam, but not. they're kind of betting a dollar occasionally in some of the rounds. You know, like they know they're gonna win that way. But eh, it's like, come on, everybody does that. It's not terribly Stupid. derivative, but it's a little. Derivative. I mean, the thing about that is, David, the fact that you're going to give it more than uh, four episodes, like most anime that seems to start out like that, that can still find its stride, tends to take a little bit longer to do such. But once it does, it can get really, really rewarding. I believe that Soul Eater, of course, one of my dearest loves, is one such case. But, of course, there are many others. So, you know, I'm going to knock wood for that. For you, I will give credit to this show. It did start out pretty good right away, it and that's rare. That is super rare. Like two episodes in, I'm like, okay, this this is going somewhere. I I can I can dig this. I can dig this. 
another show that I checked out that I don't think I dug quite as much uh, was called, and, and I am going to butcher this. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm ready. Kimuri Kusa. Kimuri Kusa. Uh, this show was created by a, the creator of, I believe, the show, uh, Kim, um, this one, I, I, I had it up, but when we when we had to reset because of the the audio issues, uh, the producer of this show uh, made Kimono Friends. I think that's what, Kimono Friends. Kimono Friends. Uh, Tatsuki, that's his name. Uh, he made that show, and a lot of people that really enjoyed that show were were excited for this. Uh, its first episode came out, and I will say I really like the animation style. It has that animation style that you kind of see with some of the more stylized Netflix shows where it's it's very stylized CGI and the characters kind of move in that kind of stilted way and and I kind of like that it's because it's it's unique it's different uh I think the story of this anime has some potential because it has that feel of where there are these unseen enemy monsters that that they're fighting, and it has a little bit of that suspense feel to it. Oh, they call them Mushi. That takes me back to an old favorite of mine, Mushishi. Mm, Interesting. Yes, yes. You know what? This is giving me a, a visual. Uh, it, it's reminding me visually of um, a lot of the NIS characters, specifically Disgaea. Like some of these character designs are really reminding me of Etna. Now that that is probably where my biggest quibble was. Mm-hmm. The character designs, uh, while I liked the animation and the visuals of the show itself, the character designs of the main characters, the girls and and the main guy, uh, they they kind of bugged me. They're they're that really really youthful kind of style of character that that really doesn't do well for me. Um, now, David, I, I believe the the first show that came to mind that reminded me of this was was Shaman King in, in the character Shaman designs. King, and, and David, I don't love those character designs. I don't love them. I, I funny you should mention that because this literally happened in real time as of this recording, literally yesterday at Duck Behind the Wheel on Instagram. I was asked to draw some Madoka Magica characters, and it occurred to me that that's the main reason, I mean, it's obvious. I've ne- made no, uh, I, I have not been, I've been very vocal about the fact that I don't like the character design of Madoka Magica, but really, I feel as if they look a little bit too youthful for the subject material. I know, David, that's the point. I just feel like there could have been a little bit more care with the look of it, and I'm kind of getting a similar feel from your attitude towards this, but. You know that's that's just my that's just my onion, my humble onion. I understand where I understand where you're coming from completely on both points. However, I will make the comparison again with Madoka. Uh, if this show takes that direction where we see these characters going to some dark places, like Madoka did then I can understand why it would be that way because the contrast of these style of characters and their characterization as sort of 
they they're all voiced in that high kawaii register uh, that the voice. Oh God, are I'd doing. have to watch this one on mute. <laughs> yeah, watch this with some lo-fi hip hop beats for study and sleep. Right. Uh, God. If that is the direction this show takes, then I think I would be fine with it. But we only saw the first episode. And the first episode laid some groundwork to where it might go some dark places. So that leaves me a little interesting. One thing I did see about this show, a lot of people don't like the main guy character that they found. Because they originally thought he was a Mushi, but it turns out he's a human. But for whatever reason, fans don't like him. And the only thing that I caught from it was that he just seemed like a dude. Yeah, he... I can't really pick him out through any of this. Like, just seems kind of bland. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that that seemed to be the big thing. They they were calling him just generic anime protagonist dude. Watch, he'll end up being a Mushi and it'll be even more generic. You know, we'll find out in episode 11. And one of the girls will fall in love with him. He's got he's got mushy blood. Oh my god! And and one of the girls will fall in love with him, and then. But, you know, you aren't wrong in your assessment of you know that it could set up to be potentially very dark. And I mean, even from a very simplistic standpoint, there's a lot of dark visually in a lot of these promotional images, and it runs a lot in line with the look of some posters and imagery and artwork for things like another and Shiki and other, uh, at least to me, uh, some very successful and visually striking anime horror series. So I'm, I'm going to cross my fingers for this one too, David, that this is some promising stuff. Don't fuck it up. Don't yeah. fuck it up. 2019. Th- this one falls under the category for me of, eh, I'm not entirely sure about this one yet. Uh, one that I am much more hopeful about. Netflix. Uh, yes, it's it's a Netflix anime, everybody. And we Hello. all know it. I love the Netflix ones. Uh, this one is called Revisions. Uh, it's And lo and behold, it's also a mech show. Hey, now. Uh, it is a You're show an all-star. where... You're, we've got a kid who is magically transported to the future. Shut up. Uh, it's 300 <laughs> years in the future in Shibuya, Japan. And there are robots called Revisions. And this was supposed to premiere uh, around this time. Uh, at least it is in Japan on Fuji TV. So I might check it out like I did with Last Hope uh, early on and then wait for the Netflix dub. Uh, thankfully for Last Hope. That actually turned out pretty well. The, the dub helped that significantly. So I will give Revisions a look. Then I'm hopeful for the dub. Because if there's one guy out there in the anime space that has been trumpeting Netflix's anime adaptations, it's me. So I, I have high hopes for this one. Uh, I liked the what I saw from the trailer. I liked the look of the show. Uh, it's not overly colorful uh, in the way some mecha shows have been in recent years. It has that kind of sci-fi feel that I like. The It's kind of got a dark blue sky that, that I appreciate. It's got a very 90s anime color scheme. Very classic look to this. 
even if it is my mortal enemy CGI. Yeah. It's fine. I understand. It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. All I can say is that it's fine. It is a, it is a mech show, Jack. Yes. It is a mech show. It, it is a mech show, and as such, in the words of, of uh, I know we're both a fan of Lindsay Ellis, it's fine. This is fine. It, it's fine. I, I will say in the case of CGI in mech shows, for me, it's not necessarily thing bad, but more thing exists. Thing has to be because the alternative is really fucking hard to do. And I don't begrudge any animator for not wanting to do that when there is an alternative. I understand. I understand that I'm biased and I acknowledge it, but I'm still angry. I will say this, the the mecha action in The Price of a Smile looked really good to me. Uh, in revisions, I'll say it looked good, not great. Good, I'd not say the great. character animation looks a little better. It looks... Uh, the visual style is good. I think, you know, what they have for the drawn textures is really nice. And... You know, it's nice to see that people are kind of getting the hang of using a limited frame rate for CGI animation to kind of mimic what Zard, Guilty Gear, and uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z does so well. Thank you, Arc System Works. Thank you for that, for making me not completely hate this style of animation. So, you know, there's there's promise. There's hope. So, again... I'm just going to keep knocking on wood for all of these for you, David. Uh, What about this last one we have here? Uh, Minaria Friends. Uh, I saw the trailer for this one, uh, and I I was really intrigued. Uh, Because it, one, it is not a mech show, everybody. And and by the way, everybody, two mech shows in one season? Holy goodness. You're spoiled for choice, David. You have mech show number one or mech show number two. I know the the neck the mech show on Netflix or the mech show on Crunchyroll and, and how about Crunchyroll picking up a, a mech show for once? Uh, this show, Minaria Friends, Rage of Bahamut. Uh, it, it is a it's kind of a school magic magical school actiony kind of show, but I like those. Okay, I like yeah. those. Yeah, those can be good. Uh, again, it's. It looks like it has some history. There are some there are some other shows that were before it that I might dig into. But when I saw the trailer, uh, it looked it looked like it could be fun. Uh, I liked the action. Uh, I liked the action I'm, enough. I'm liking the artwork. I'm liking what I'm seeing of it. Uh, it's it's very cute. It's definitely in line with the kind of thing that I know I would likely design. You know, this kind of. Uh, eldritch kind of fantasy setting with some sort of monster characteristics on a character that I assume is Bahamut. Interesting. So when, so, when yeah. this one when what? this one comes out on January 20th, I'll I'll give a full preview of it, but I I like how it looks. I really do. Yeah, it's looking really nice. Uh so you said there was some action in the trailer. I'm I'm currently looking for a glimpse of a trailer. What uh did you like anything else about it? Uh, anything else draw you to it? I, I liked the... How do I put this? I liked the tone of the show. The, the show had a tone where it was a fantasy show, 
but not a fantasy show like Lord of the Rings. And I'm okay with that. I'm seeing a trailer here. Finally. Okay, I found it here. This this is very visually rich. This is really looking to me, and I mean this in the most positive aspect because those these movies kick ass visually. This is as visually rich as Hogwarts school looks in the Harry Potter movies. There's a lot of some really nice lighting going on. These characters are not overtly kawaii. This is good looking shit. I don't mind the look of this at all. All right. Okay. I might check this one out even. (laughs) And uh, this one is on uh, January 20th. So we'll, we'll put a pin on this one and... We'll come back to it. What do you say? I'm going to tell you the biggest thing about this, David, is these characters, a lot of them, don't look like fucking kids. They look like there might be some adult characters in a school anime. Holy shit. (laughs) That's, yeah, in an anime, no less. In an anime, no less. I mean, I, I, I guess I guess some of you out there might be yelling at me, Hello, Hero Academia has that. I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so tired, you guys. But I guess I'll get into that. Because it's time to talk about Sack Anime, isn't it? Yes, it is, Jack. Go ahead and tell us about Sack Anime. Well, I'm going to start off really quickly and just get the bad out of the way, which was I didn't really quite hit my stride this convention. I didn't have all of my stuff 100% packed. I was in a bit of a hurry and I had stressed all the way up to this convention and it was kind of rough. And again, kind of leading from that comment I just had about my hair academia, for some reason, again, they decided for one reason or another, to have, again, a specifically themed My Hero Academia rave. So, you know, I didn't go, but yeah, it struck me as, hmm, all right, fair enough. It's odd, very odd. So, David, I ended up not wearing most of what I was planning on wearing, as I had previously podcasted about, but uh, Donald Duck and Scrooge McDuck went over fantastically, and I felt... Very happy and pleased in wearing them, even if for the point that I tried to wear other things, ending up getting socially conscious and leaving, I learned, I learned that, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. And, you know, the stress, the stress wasn't worth it. So next time leading up, I will be infinitely more prepared. And I am very much looking forward to Sack Summer because, David, next time, Sack Summer... They're going to have my boy. They're going to have Launchpad. They're going to have Terry. You need to get over here, David. You need to get over here. Definitely. It is imperative. Anyway, let's talk about actual SAC anime winter. So we had some excellent guests and one that I had a couple unofficial run-ins with because he stayed at the same hotel as us, uh, the Hyatt, uh, Charles Martinet. Uh, as I was writing down from my hotel room and getting all of my things back and forth after getting into the parking lot, all this fuss, and finally, exhaustedly grabbing my key and getting ready to ride down to the convention center, ding, the elevator opens up, and there he is. And I felt like a damn fool because I gasped a little bit when I saw him. But we didn't do anything. We just kind of piled in. And then he asked us, he goes, hey, you guys excited for the convention? We all just kind of went, yeah, yeah. We're excited. And he immediately broke into a big old smile and 
Charles Martinet, voice of Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, y'all know that's by now because I have I met him last time, last year. Uh, he just breaks into a big old smile and goes, okay, let's go. Just absolutely delightful. He is so sweet. Um, but the guests that I did meet in uh, their autograph line and then later on in a panel were uh, the excellent, fabulous, marvelously talented Bill Farmer and Jason Marsden, who were both there for the 20th the 20th anniversary, David, of Disney's A Goofy Movie. And yes, Jack. they're fantastic. Let me tell you, how does it feel to start seeing things that you love celebrating their 20th anniversary? <laughs> oh my God, no. How, how's it feel, Jack? <laughs> no. How's it, how's it feel? I wish that this was the day after today. It'll happen to you. <laughs> it's gonna ha- Death is inevitable, everyone. Enjoy the things you love. No, but the the panel was fantastic. It was recorded. I will be blasting that all over Twitter when it happens. But I do want to showcase the fact that I, when I spoke to Bill, uh, Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and also voices of just several fantastic characters over the years, most notably for me, anyhow, Sam in Sam and Max Hit the Road, acclaimed LucasArts game, which needs a remaster. I don't care who does it. It needs a remaster. Day of the Tentacles, great. Grim Fandango, fine. Full throttle, whatever. Give me Sam and Max Hit the Road remaster. God damn it. I deserve it. (laughs) Everyone deserves it. This sweet guy... When I told him how much that that game mattered to me and that he is, you know, just fantastic at his work, he, first of all, man sounds like Sam in his regular speaking voice, which I think just kind of happens to people when they get older, just kind of, you just kind of turn into a, into a film character. It just kind of happens to you and you just start talking at a sort of cadence. And he, he was marvelous and so gracious to have heard someone mention what apparently was a fairly deep cut, but I mean, looking at my contemporaries, not surprised. And, uh, he, looked around for a good couple minutes while there were people in line uh, for a headshot that had Max's or a Sam and Max's portrait on it. And, you know, that that's just delightful. I, you know, this is not unlike this is not unlike my encounters with Richard Epcar uh, being usually the first or the only person to bring up Bobo Bo. Yes, he, he bring he kind of giggles embarrassingly, but but also at the same time, he he recognizes that someone appreciates the silly, so I, I yes. definitely empathize. It's it's fantastic to see these people, uh, you know, light up when you mention the deep cuts, and I love bringing that to them. I think they really do appreciate that stuff. They really do. And uh, Jason Marsden, again, equally as gracious and sweet to talk to, and, you know, a lot of people were... Oddly enough, there for Kovu of all things, David. Did I miss something? I mean, I know, I know what I missed, but like, do people really enjoy the Disney sequels that much? Like, is Lion King two just some secret masterpiece or something? Because I'm, I'm bloody lost. I there were a lot of people there. The Lion King two Simba's Pride being fairly well received. So maybe, maybe let. Let's see what we have for 
Lion King 2. I'm just, I just curious. I remember it see- not being hated is what I remember. I remember it mostly not being hated like everything else that came afterwards. It's got a 6.5 on IMDb out of 10, and it's 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm Uh, thinking, and I would assume my assumption is correct, that it's probably a lot of furries. And look, it's fine. It's totally fine. I get it. It's fine. It's fine. But like, you know... I, you I deserve did not better. Consider that. I did you not deserve better. That. You deserve better, furries. I get it, though. A lot of people probably, you know, they get their they get their initial crushes or whatever. I remember someone actually saying that online, so that's probably exactly what it is. Never mind. Uh, I answered okay. my own question. Okay. <laughs> Podcast over. No. Kind of like kind of like Rouge the Bat in the Sonic fandom. I I get it. I understand. <laughs> Uh, but Jason Marston, he is absolutely delightful and he is very thoughtful to the fans and had a lot of excellent things to say. I love talking to him in line and at the panel. And much like when I was speaking to Bill uh, in, you know, in the line in autographs uh, at the panel, I want to just pride myself on asking a fun question. It wasn't necessarily like something in that was very insightful about the process or, you know, the making of the film, but they did touch on that in very satisfying ways for me during that panel. So I was already satisfied, very happy with that panel. So I want to ask a little bit of a fun question for the two of them. Uh, And that question was, I mean, David, you're aware, we're all aware a goofy movie is primarily a father son story. It's just about the bond and growing understanding between a teenage son and his father and hey, coming to terms with one another's being the everything. son of a single dad hashtag relatable exactly someone brought that up as i was uh right right as the panel was about to end and right as i was leaving for uh you know the final moments of the convention so it was you know that stuff touches people and they were really really gracious about that during the panel as well about how it touches people so my question was if either then have given any thought to what Goofy was like as a teenager. And I won't spoil what they said, you know. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm hopeful for that uh, panel, you know, since it was filmed, uh, being circulated. But it was, they, I, again, I love coming out with the, the left out of, out of left field questions that get these guys thinking, even if they've never thought of it before, if they'd never given it any thought of previous, they gave me very interesting hypotheticals and they were both like, that is an excellent question. That was a really good question. They sat and thought for a minute and I just, I get a little bit of pride doing stuff like that. I really do. Even if maybe I was their biggest headache that day, which I don't think I was because Someone was asking for very particular weird time figures that I won't get into because I don't want to out them. But like, wow, wow. okay, okay. Anyway, that was really remarkable. The cosplay scene was excellent. There were some Zombieland cosplayers, which was excellent. And David, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked how much Kingdom Hearts cosplay there was. And I really shouldn't be. Oh, that's because, coming back. That's coming back. Yeah, I didn't realize. Again, for guests, I believed that they had Chris Diamantopoulos 
uh, which was the original Bill uh, on SAC Anime's website for their guest for winter, uh, who is the voice of Mickey Mouse in the Mickey Mouse shorts on Disney right now, uh, directed by Rob Ronzetti. But instead they had, oh my gosh, I can't, I think it's Brett Ewans, who is the voice of Mickey in Kingdom Hearts, who actually showed up. And I didn't know that until I was in line for Bill Farmer on that same day. So that explained where all of the Kingdom Hearts was coming from, which means, David, I got to get a move on with that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to it's going to be a thing. There were already people who were screaming at me in classic Donald garb for me to heal them. So I got to I got to get in on that soon. Yeah, your boy Jack knows he's gonna make himself a wand, but like it's gotta get, it's gotta go, it's gotta get further than that. I will never fucking understand what a Kingdom Hearts is, though. And no one I does, Jack. Almost here, pride here, myself. Here's on. the thing about Kingdom Hearts: nobody understands it because he, here's the thing that every nerd in the world just needs to open up and acknowledge: Tetsuya Nomura is completely fucking insane. <laughs> like him and Hideo Kojima could try and make a game together and it would be the most insanely incomprehensible piece of art to have ever been devised because Tetsuya Nomura cannot do cannot do anything Final Fantasy 15 is over because he's so insane. He tried doing so much. That's why it took 73 years to get done. And that's why Kingdom Hearts is what it is. Because Tetsuya Nomura is insane. He's insane. He, he's the only guy I think that might match Hideo Kojima. At least Hideo Kojima has some kind of geopolitical philosophical uh, understandings of things tetsuya nomura just he he is he's a disney fanfiction.net author and a lot of times it, it doesn't even go into that place and now with everything that disney is acquiring god knows what he might try and fit into kingdom hearts because holy tetsuya, shit no because tetsuya nomura is fucking insane like, I, I have been saying as a joke since we did the A3K podcast that eventually Darth Vader will be a super secret sub-boss in a Kingdom Hearts game. I now, don't fucking doubt it. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. You know what's terrifying, David, is there was a point in time, and I believe it was even a decade ago, it might have been when the first Epic Mickey came out, uh, I can... I can fact check that right now, but there was a point in time where I couldn't tell the difference between a screenshot of Disney Infinity, Disney or uh, Epic Mickey and Kingdom Hearts because uh, what's the difference? Audience answer. Fucking none. At least aesthetically. I, it's I so confusing. I really didn't know. I, like, I'm going to say like, no, they're they're pretty much the same, aren't they? They're, it seems like it, like, just replace Mickey's weird paintbrush with a key, and there you go. It's the same thing. You're just playing Mickey's weird single-player campaign while Sora's off doing the main quest in D&D. &D. That is something I will bring up really quickly. I don't often bring up 
you know, concepts and posts from the internet, exception being dad Alucard, tired dad Alucard, because we all deserved that. But uh, someone did make a point of mentioning that they believe that Kingdom Hearts just feels like a D&D campaign where the DM said, we'll go to Disney World's this time. And three people thought of some really well thought out original characters. The mage decided to speak in a Donald voice and somebody insisted on playing Goofy. And, you know, whatever the panel was at SAC Anime that was poorly explaining the plot of Kingdom Hearts, I'm sure it can't get much better than that or the meme of Donald with a gun, which I will attempt to cosplay. I will do my best to make that gun nice and cartoony so as not to get any kind of suspicion because, god damn, we got another fucking fire alarm puller, but, you know, cosplay props, that's the main problem. Whatever, Sack Anime. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Aside from Didness stuff, let's get a little bit into the animes. Uh, David, cosplay wrestling. Cosplay yes, wrestling. Yes, that is the thing that is spreading across various conventions. Yes, it is. They are going to return to Fanime, which I am very excited about, mostly for the fact that unlike last Sack, it wasn't. It wasn't really like a full event this time, unfortunately. It was still fun. We had a blast. A lot of my friends who went, who had never gone to either the cosplay wrestling event or any kind of wrestling, were excited about wrestling in general after leaving, which is exciting. You know, they were enjoying the pageantry and everything of it. However, the Supreme Wrestling Federation and the Cosplay Wrestling Federation had to basically combine their events into a single time slot for this particular convention. It was a little bit more of Supreme Wrestling Federation, although some of the members did have some costumes. Uh, You know, there was a DBZ costume, which was excellent, and some Sailor Moon accessories one of the smaller wrestlers was wearing, which was also very nice. Of course, that's all shed right before the fight ensues, but some really great matches between, uh, you know, a a huge group of people, a lot of uh, blackout matches, a lot of some really, really nice tag teams with some great characters, really fantastic good old-fashioned wrestling, which, you know, thanks to David, you know, you have you have introduced me to it previously, so I wasn't so much of a stranger to wrestling, so I was able to appreciate it. Some of my friends were a little bit more like, when are they going to get to the cosplay wrestling? And David, they had uh, one cosplay wrestling match. There was still... Um, there was still some trash talking between some cosplay wrestlers. Uh, however, it was all verbal for most of it, which is not always the case, as I've known. Uh, and we had some good and we had some bad. And I'm going to go ahead and call them out. I think that uh, the Shaggy who made an appearance during those rounds was fantastic. And yes, I even think Guy Fieri was a pretty excellent character. He did a really good job selling his whole persona, which is, I have to imagine, pretty fucking difficult. You have to do some serious, weird research to do that kind of dedicated character. Uh, Sailor Moon was pretty good. She ended up taking home the belt, which was fantastic. She definitely pulled on the nostalgia strings for a lot of people. I'm going to say her main opponent, All Might, a lot of my friends agreed, most of them very big My Hero fans, 
not great. Not great at all. Kind of took the heel direction a little bit too harshly for the character. Ah. I think there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way. And the right way to do it was, of course, during the actual match, Super Mario, everyone's favorite asshole, at least one of my favorites. Skeletor hosting, fantastic. He was excellent throughout the entire thing. Got some great chants going. We had some rowdy uh audience members some of them right in front of us but we had a really really good time and that final match between super mario and phoenix Wright was definitely worth the wait and a lot of sure this wasn't a mugen tournament check no nope not at all that is cosplay wrestling david that's what it's like i gotta tell you i've seen it i've seen it can we just agree like you've seen Super Mario, right? Once he's, or twice. He's just the best. Like he is the best heel they have, and I am so happy that he exists. And then on the other hand of it, I really, really, really love Phoenix Wright, and I absolutely loved his energy throughout the match. I was absolutely rooting for him. Please go and check that out. I will not spoil who takes home the belt, but just know that that match in cosplay wrestling, whenever that goes up, is also amazing to watch. Holy shit. Just really hoping that they'll have a few more matches for us on offer for Fanime. I know that they have, you know, they they have to coordinate a whole lot for these. And, you know, between those two, uh, you know, the cosplayer CWF and uh, uh, SWF, it can be kind of rough to, you know, coordinate for the entire event. And they also had to deal with the fact that that was right after uh, the fire alarm. So whatever was going on there, if they had any evacuation or anything, they had to, you know, change up for equipment because, you know, security was out and about kudos kudos because they pulled off a great show regardless anyhow um just trying to think if there was anything else uh you would say overall sack anime was pretty satisfactory right i'd say so i chilled out a little bit more and i just want to say to everybody that i uh met up with and even the people that i tried to see and didn't like Everybody did amazingly. Everyone had fantastic cosplays, had a great showing, nice, good, calm, chill vibes throughout. So, you know, even if I didn't do as much as I usually tend to do at these conventions, Fanime is the real party convention for me. I'm looking forward to it. And even if it's going to be in a different venue, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sax Summer brings, too. I'm going to have to figure out something for the masquerade, I think. Not entirely sure what I'm going to do, but uh, maybe something involving the three caballeros. That was that was on my mind at the end of last year, and it's still kind of brewing in my head. Uh, I haven't really uh, forgotten about that. The problem will be finding a song that is uh, appropriate for um, <clears throat> for for a public performance, <laughs> because my. David, I don't know what it actually is, but like these big like trance dance numbers with really horrible vulgar lyrics are like the first thing that comes to my mind. I don't want it to be a Deadpool skit, God damn it! Uh, we can't let that happen again. Uh, it's because Jack has a skitty sense Deadpool? of humor. Can we please be done with that? I think uh, you know there was a really massive showing of Spider Verse cosplay, and 
I'm super down for that. I feel like Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Jack. Uh, yes. On For more than one instance, there have been flashes of Leopardon, the, the mech from the Spider-Man. Japanese. From the Japanese Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse. So we're, yes. we're inching yes. ever closer. <laughs> Every day we get closer to God's light. I'm so excited. Uh, really great showing for Spider-Verse. Again, Spider-Man, Leopardon. Very, very exciting. It's got to be in the sequel. It's got to be. I gotta, it's got to be. I got to say, David, I'm going to come out and say it. You know, we've been having some hot takes on this podcast. I think it's time to keep dropping them. I think uh, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland kind of fucked Spider-Man over for the last decade. I, I firmly believe that. After Spider-Man 3, things were not the same. Like, people fucking hate that movie, but there were a lot of things that that movie did right. And there's a lot of things that the subsequent movies did really fucking wrong. And the fandom and the movies really did a fucking number on Spider-Man previous to that. I really appreciate Tobey Maguire and always fucking have... And I will fucking stand by that. And I don't now, think Jack, I will ever watch Amazing Spider-Man or a just, sequel for as long as I live. I'll say this. Remember this, Jack. There will always be people that will say their Batman is Kevin Conroy. So, Kevin if, Conroy and or Michael Keaton. If Into the Spider-Verse it, it is your Spider-Man, then it's your Spider-Man. It's not even that Into the Spider-Verse is my Spider-Man, but Into the Spider-Verse is everyone's spider-man i f- i feel like it really is and mostly it's my spider-man because there's a lot of toby Maguire in there and can i just say toby Maguire is peter parker andrew garfield not peter parker tom holland not peter parker no one was peter parker except for toby i'm sorry i know you tried to be nick caraway toby but you're peter parker and it's pizza time and that with sounds that, good, actually. That does sound good, actually. So there you go. let's wrap it up. Jack, thank you. It's been another anime podcast of some sort. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this, uh, we had a lot going on today. Ch- chock full of content. Uh, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and check us out in Apple Podcasts. Give us the old five stars. And uh, wherever podcasts can be aggregated, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, all of them. All of them. Uh, I, I might even start putting this up on SoundCloud again, and maybe even YouTube. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the numbers, see if it makes a difference. I'm getting in touch with the analytical staff at Delta Juliet, Mike Media, seeing how the numbers turn out. But until then, uh, we're in we're in places where podcasts can normally be aggregated. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack D Tyler D, where you can find out his instagram handle for the month because i'm not sure what it is right now but it's, it's out duck there. behind the wheel duck behind the wheel everybody on you instagram. know what everybody in florida does when they're driving they duck behind that wheel <laughs> and they let jesus take over <laughs> I'm just Colby pray to DJM. god that you can back out properly <laughs> thanks for listening to apos everybody this podcast is going to park it is almost a